everyone. There's a, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. We'll be there here in just a little bit. But uh, it's talked about last Sunday during, um, during Labor Day weekend about how God has given us all a purpose to work in this life. And that's where we find great joy is just being content with what we're doing right now. And, uh, and, and just I, hopefully I give you a vision and encouragement to, to just look around and see what needs to be done in the kingdom of God and say, I'm willing to jump in, I'm, I'm willing to help. Something that I do uh, every week as I sit down and I go through, uh, I pray through uh, the names of the church. I, I, I haven't been doing that every week lately, but, but uh, typically uh, that's part of my routine. And one of the things I do as well is I, I spend some time uh, writing down some things, the, the three areas of ministry that I do teaching and preaching, and then growing disciples and making disciples. And I, I pray over various names and, and that sort of thing. And, one, and what I end with, and I do this on Tuesday mornings usually, I end with writing down things that are victories, where I see God working, things that are challenges, where I see um, you know, dirty opportunities, where God may be working, but it's hard to see it at the moment. And then I t- write down things that I'm praying for, like I've shared that I've been praying for just renewal in the hearts of, of people in the church here and, and everywhere. And uh, I've been, and the fourth thing that I spend some time on is what are some things that I'm thankful for on a regular basis? And something that comes up uh, that I, I remember is that I'm thankful for you guys. Um, I know that I, in the, the seven, almost seven years that we've been here, I continue to learn a lot from you, uh, be encouraged by you. Uh, I see God working in, the, in your lives in a whole lot of different ways. And so I, I had the uh, scripture reading uh, focus on some of that. And Paul usually starts his letters sharing, I'm thankful for you. you know, the, what Luke read here just a minute ago, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And boy, I hope that's something that can be true for us, that we can be a group that works together, being faithful, doing good works, until our time is done, until Jesus returns. And that's something that if we can set that as a goal and a purpose for us, then watch out because God's going to work to do amazing things among us. And so I was pondering here this last week, what are some things that I just love and I'm really thankful for about the Belgrade Church of Christ? And I wanted to share some of these things with you. So here's some things that, that popped out to my, to my mind. I, I wrote them down in, the, in a structure of what God calls is the most important things. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we're doing those things, it's an indicator that, that God's working in us. And I see that you guys are a crew that really does genuinely love God. And I see it in, in these ways, and these, this isn't an exhaustive list, but I sure see this, is that you're a people that, that really does love God's Word. It's amazing to me, and I don't know if amazing is the right word, I'm thankful that, that so many of you spend time on a regular basis in God's Word, outside of the building, outside of any interaction with anybody else, 
but you feel and you believe that it's important enough for you that you just take on uh, getting into God's Word on a regular basis yourself without anybody else. And I know that because on a fairly regular basis, I have people that come up and approach me and say, Chris, I was reading this. What does it mean? Or I was reading this in my daily devotional and this came up and it made me think about and I've got this idea and stuff just flows from there. And that's an indicator that you guys on a regular basis are taking the responsibility to say what happens in my life is important and I'm taking responsibility for it and I'm going to get into God's word and I'm going to let him change my heart. I also see that you guys are committed to to worshiping God, not only here in the building, but all throughout life in various ways. Uh, Romans says that we are a living sacrifice. So whatever we do, we're walking around, that we're worshiping God in in some ways. Um, I see that, uh, and this this has to do with transformed lives. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But there is um, something I'm thankful for, that when someone hears where I'm a minister or where I they say oh do you know so and so and almost always there's a good impression that someone has been given because of the person that is connected with the church here and that's a person of character that's a person of honor that's a person that that does what they're supposed to and that that sort of thing and that's awesome and it's beautiful to see that sort of transformation uh, there is a uh, you know, it seems like many of us spend some time on social media now because that's a platform where there's so much interaction that happens. And something I notice about the things that you as a people, you as a crew post, tend to be things that are positive, encouraging, maybe convicting, but call people higher. But you tend to stay away from the things that are going to burn up, burn up anyway. You know, those discussions that don't lead anywhere. And I'm thankful for that because that's a... Um, I think that's one of the reasons why um, Christianity in general in America has really struggled because so many claim to be Christians, get online, they say terrible stuff that does not demonstrate the heart of God. And, uh, and I see something different in you. I see a different spirit. Uh, when COVID happened, the discussion among us, there was a couple of things that I noticed came up. Is There's some people said, wow, it's really nice to have a break for a minute and just to get some sabbath rest and and i don't think that's bad in fact when you go back to the old testament and we've talked about this think about this every seven years israel took a break and they ate what just grew naturally and they were called not to till their fields or to harvest but just to go out and just eat what was there can you imagine if every seven years a society said all right we're going to take a time out and we're going to let people rest and you need to spend time with your families, you need to recuperate, and you're going to work for the next seven years, but you need some time out. Whoa! And in a sense, COVID gave us that. It gave us some time to rest. But at the same time, you guys were itching to be able to come back together so that we could continue to worship God because there's something that happens here when we're together that's powerful, that's great. And you missed it. And there was all, there was all sorts of things that you guys did in order to help bring things together. Even though our world outside was very divided, we were able to come and be here together and honor God in a way that um, was, was amazing and it was beautiful. Now, I really believe that you guys are a, a people that lives transformed lives. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, Chris, you don't know what I did yesterday and you don't know what I said to that person and all of this. And I don't feel very transformed because I feel like that sinful nature bounces around in me and I still wrestle with that, you know, all that kind of stuff. I get that. I understand that. But I believe that most all of us here 
really genuinely believe that we need to act we need to act like Christ wants us to and we're willing to make some sacrifices in order to do that and so that our lives will be changed so that we can be the example that God wants us to be other people we don't want to jump into sin we see that as as sin as what it is it's something we want to run away from but we want to live a godly life that is transformed that honors him and that desire is going to take us you know, further along the, the road and the, the spiritually to, um, to be what God wants us to be. Something I've noticed and I really love about this crew is that you have and you do survive storms. There's a, again, there's, if you've done some reading or you've, you've looked what's going on in the world around us, um, there was... Uh, Many churches were on the decline prior to COVID just because of society changes and such, and we can talk about that another time. But when COVID happened, um, many of these large churches, people that have been writing books about how to do church over the last 20 years, those churches are almost non-existent now in the big cities. And, and I think some of the reason why we'll talk about it here in just a minute, but the faith wasn't real. It wasn't, it wasn't rooted. It was whenever there was something else came along that was a better a better thing which happened to be staying at home then then a bunch of people took it and they've never come back and never connected with with churches again but we've survived those you know as a crew there's many things we can look back in history and see that this crew is a crew that survives and before i came there's a minister here that had been involved with long-term more major moral failure and you guys survived it and you walk through it, and you're able to say, well, man, but this doesn't change what God, who God is and what God has done for me, and I continue to be faithful, and I continue to jump in, and I continue to do what God wants me to do, even though, man, sometimes I don't feel like it. You guys are survivors. Something else I appreciate is that you are very much a diverse and varied group. Now, there was, I was having a conversation with a guest here, uh, here a few months ago, maybe a month ago, and we were there in the back, and one of the things they talked about, we were, as we were discussing back and forth, there was someone from out of town that, that comes through and visits once in a while. And just they made the comment that this is a very diverse group. And they picked that up just from being here on a, a couple of Sundays a year. And I thought about that, and I said, oh, yeah, I, I definitely think that we're a diverse group. Uh, some groups, when you walk in, there's a profile or there's a stereotype and or it's the cool group and stuff and we're not any of that and i think there's some power there you know paul tells the corinthians not many of you were of noble birth okay you're not the cool people in town right you're not the people that have everything but what brings you together is the message of god and living for him when i look out among us um I see people of all different ages, from babies that are being born in the community here, which is awesome and wonderful, and man, just I love the noise. It's great. And get them here; those babies are just are picking stuff up every every second of their life, and they're learning how to worship God by watch, watching all of you. Um, we have people that are nearing the end of life and, and going to launch into heaven in the next years, and that's beautiful and it's amazing. We have people that, that come from, uh, from places where didn't grow up with any spiritual background whatsoever. And you have people like me that grew up with all sorts of spiritual background and everything in between. But you see, when you look around us, 
Our common things that bring us together are the message of God and believing that it matters to be here. It's not because we're this social club. In fact, it's not even remotely similar. Uh, that's not even remotely who we are. We're a people that is, that is a, a hodgepodge of all sorts of different um, walks of life, but we're here because we care deeply about what the message of God says. And that's awesome. You know, long before inclusion and unity and all that kind of stuff was popular in our society, God was telling us, hey, everybody can come into my kingdom. Go out to the highways and byways and everywhere else. I want people who have a heart for me. And I believe that that's what we have in common, and I'm really thankful for that. Something else I see in you guys is that you're a people that is real. And that's something that I can always share with people that, uh, that I invite to come to, um, to church or that, have, um, that are visiting. I can tell them that this is a people, this is a crew that is very real and genuine and just really wants to do right. Uh, there is a, uh, a phrase that I saw recently. There's a... You know, a minister in, in the U.S. that was quoted as saying this. He said, The great heresy of the modern church is to believe that we are in the entertainment business. Think about that. The great heresy of the modern church is to believe that we are in the entertainment business. Well, I don't think that anybody's going to accuse us of being in the entertainment business. Okay? That's not how we roll. Because for a lot of different things, we've made the decision that why we're here is not to entertain people, but to convict and encourage people's hearts to live for God the moment they walk out this door. That's why we're here. And that's real, and it demonstrates a love for God no matter what our society is doing around us. In fact, I just saw online the other day there was a church somewhere that in order to encourage people to be baptized, they built a water slide above the baptism so people could have a fun on the way down. We're not going to do that, okay? We're not going there because that's not what we're about. People commit their lives to Christ in baptism because they need, they need the forgiveness of sins. And if they need a water slide to do that, then this is the wrong place, right? This is about us loving God and saying, God, what we've, what we've done before doesn't work, and we're going to submit ourselves to you and to follow you. Here's some other things that I really appreciate and I love about you guys is that I see a love that you guys have for others, for people in the church, people outside the church. I know that uh, you're a crew that is full of encouraging words for other people, and I see that and I experience it on a regular basis. Now, there's story after story of someone that uh, is, is encouraged by someone in the church and it makes a difference in their lives, uh, changes, changes eternity. Uh, there's... Uh, I got to tell some of those stories um, here the other day. Someone was talking about, oh, I see, I see your sign, as I told them where, where I minister. And they said, oh, the, you're the sign, the sign people. I know who you are, and I always think about those signs. They make me think. And I got to tell some of the stories of the signs that changed people's lives and um, over time. That's it, continuing to do that. Um, I see a crew that serves others. And I see uh, there's a... You know, and here recently we appointed a bunch more deacons. Uh, there's more people that are coming to the table saying, I want to serve, I want to be part of the solution, I want to do good things here in the church, and I'm excited about it. Now, the church here is a church that supports ministry around the world. That's something I noticed when I first moved here. When you looked at, um, 
called the budget. I just, I, I'm not a fan of that word. It's necessary and all that, but maybe the spiritual investment plan. Maybe that's a better way to think about it. Is what are we investing in spiritually that's going to make a difference for eternity? And something I noticed is that there's a lot of money that is given from the church here for a church our size that goes to support missionaries in Chile, goes to help the Mount States Children's Home, just those special contributions we give, Orphan's Lifeline. There's a a huge amount of effort that is put into Yellowstone Bible Camp from the church here to make things go behind the scenes or to manage different camps at different times because there's people come from all over the world to connect with God. And this we are a close proximity. We're just down the road from us. And we can invest a lot in the message of God going out in all sorts of different ways. It's amazing when I'm other places, people say, oh, that Yellowstone Bible camp. I was there in 1973 and I heard this lesson and it changed my life. You know, and that's you. You're part of that, part of that, uh, those good things that are happening. One of the things, again, not only with missions, but with, with people with benevolence, um, sharing with people that are in need. This church has a spiritual spending investment to really do some work in that area. And there's people uh, among us, uh, when there is need, uh, there's, uh, the church steps in and can help. When there's uh, people that, that come in and they share that they have, have great needs, then the church oftentimes will step in and help in different ways. There was someone who shared a story, and I didn't ask to, uh, so I won't give the name of the person, but uh, years ago, they were, um, first time they'd ever been in a church building, they uh, said they went to a church building to ask for, for some money for food and then um, went and, and bought some alcohol with it and then saw the, the minister, the person that gave them the money drive by, said, I wrestled with that in my conscience for years because I thought, I really need to act better. And the church here has and continues to give to people who probably don't deserve it, but we know that Jesus gave to us when we didn't deserve it at times. And that's good. And we continue to step out in faith in that. And I'm really thankful for that. And I see that sort of thing. And you have had people in the church approach me at different times and say, hey, if there's a need and our budget doesn't cover it, just come and talk to me because I will help. That's what I want to do. That shows that you have a deep love for others that goes beyond what just being nice to our friends or people that are nice to us. It's beyond that, and it's different. So we're good, right? All these things that we do well, we can pat ourselves on the back, we can look around and say, hey, this is great. We've talked about that. Whenever we get to a place like that spiritually, hey, we're good, we've done enough, then Satan is lurking right at the door for for bad things to happen. And something that I've been thinking about a lot, and I've been, as I've shared, I've been praying about quite a bit, is just how important spiritual renewal is on a regular basis. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 7, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened leading up to this. Israel has experienced an identity crisis. In the times of the judges, you see this cycle that that happens. The people are living in in, uh, the promised land. They've been given their inheritance. And there's times where people start worshiping these idols because that's such a temptation these idols there there's something i can touch it's not this god that is there somewhere that i I can't see but these idols are something i can touch 
And it's so much clearer to live by a checklist than, by tr- than try to change my heart as God wants me to. And so I'm going to go back to those idols. I'm going to go worship the crop God. And I'm going to offer a sacrifice to, to him or her just in case this God that brought us up out of Egypt doesn't come through. And you see that cycle going over and over again. And so what God does is he punishes them just like you know, children are disciplined for their own good. God disciplines the Israelites for their own good and brings them to a place of repentance. And something like that is happening right here. There is uh, the ark of God has been stolen. Now, for God, that doesn't seem to be a big deal. But for the Israelites, it's a huge deal. For God, when the temple was destroyed, that wasn't the end of the world for him. But it was the end of the world for a lot of people. So what happens is the ark is, is stolen by the Philistines and it's taken and it is, uh, the Philistines take the, uh, the ark and they place it in the temple of their, the temples of their god, Dagon. And uh, they put it before him, before this image, as a way of, look, Dagon has provided for this ark to be uh, the symbol of the god of the Hebrews to be captured. And here he is in submission to our god. But you know what happened? The next morning when the Philistines woke up, their god was face down on the threshold in front of the ark of God with his hands broken off. And the Philistines say, well, wait a minute there. This is a little bit of a problem. This doesn't sit well with us. And they start getting diseases. There's bad things start happening. And they say, okay, we're going to give this ark back because this is not okay. This is not what we wanted. We thought that our God was... was uh, putting the God of the Hebrews into a chokehold, and that's not what is happening here, and we don't like this, so we're going to send it back. And so they put it on a cart, they inquire how to do this, and the cart by itself without people there uh, is taken by some oxen and taken back up to to Israel. And when they get the ark back, uh, the ark is placed in in the house of someone at that point in time. But just imagine the reflection that happens. Because when our world gets shaken up, we tend to reflect and look at 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'll start reading the second part of verse 2. It says, Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and asterisks and served the Lord only. So they had a choice there. Are we going to keep living as we are, where we worship God over here, but we worship all this other thing, all these other things over here? We want the best of all worlds. And Samuel says, that's not going to work. You've got to make a choice, one or the other. And they make a choice in this generation to serve God. It says, then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day, they fasted. And there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. So that is common with with repentance. Fasting often accompanies that as a way to help us reflect on um, being who we need to be instead of who we have been. When When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. 
So the moment the people say, okay, we're going to leave all this behind, we're going to actually serve God, here comes a test. And it would have been so easy for the Israelites to say, oh, no, the Philistines are coming, we're out, we're gone, this is scary. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth And check this out here. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. And he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Think about that moment. As God has worked, the people have repented. They didn't bail. They stayed fast and said, we're going to be faithful to God, even though this is terrifying right now. And Samuel sets up this stone and says, we're going to call this stone Ebenezer. You know, we have a song that talks about that. Here I lay my Ebenezer, here the stone of remembering that thus far the Lord has helped us. And, boy, I love that passage, and it always touches my heart whenever I think about it, because I think we all can identify with that, right? We can all agree with that, is thus far the Lord has helped us. In the history of the church in Belgrade that, has been, that, was, that was planted here in 1979, we see God working in all sorts of ways to bring us through all sorts of obstacles in all sorts of times, great times, tough times, all of that sort of thing, to bring us to a point where we can look back and say, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Correct? Is that right? Thus far, the Lord has continued to be good to us. The key for us going forward, because um, I ask myself a lot, what does the future look like? And I have no clue. I have no idea what that looks like. But what God has called us to do is to live in a place where we live lives that are repentant. When we repent, God renews us and he restores us to a place where uh, whatever he's, he's got plans for us in the next part of our, our ministry or our lives. And I thought about it, uh, what does the future look like for us here? Again, I don't have a clue. But what I do know is that when we go back to Scripture, if we live in a place of repentance on a regular basis... And we say, instead of letting things build up over time and, and, uh, and just weigh us down with all sorts of guilt and sin, but we live, if I can say it this way, a repentant posture, where on a regular basis we are looking at the sin in our own life and being willing to repent of that and say, I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of it. It's always beautiful when someone comes, whether it be part of men's groups or, or talking to the elders afterwards, or just around coffee at some point in time and says, I, I've been doing this and I just want to leave it behind. I want repentance. Something that we established in our family years ago, and I'm going to tell you this was uncomfortable, but we started this when the kids were pretty small. Um, we shared that for them as they were starting to learn Scripture and understand it and that, is that mom and dad do not get a pass to sin just because we're mom and dad, okay? And you as children, even though you're small, can, if mom and dad are sinning, you can call us on that, okay? We don't get to say, 
you're just a kid, you don't know what you're talking about, hush it. Because sin is sin. And so from a very early time in our family, and I would do this again, I think it was a good decision, is we gave our kids the permission to say, Mom and Dad, I think that's wrong, and I don't think you can, I see from what God says you can't do that. And they don't use those words when they do that with us. But what it did is it put me on notice as well, is that I needed to be, to have the heart that I was willing to listen and be corrected. And that's vitally important for spiritual life and growth. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, and that's been a good practice in our family um, to, to learn and grow together in that. You know, as a church, sometimes we face times of repentance. We've done it this way as a church for a while, and we need to look back, and we need to repent, and we need to change that. Whenever we repent of the sin that is there, instead of burying it and hiding it, what happens is God brings, and you see this over and over and over in Scripture, God brings renewal, and he puts a heart in us where we start caring about the things that God ultimately cares about. My hopeful is going forward is that we, no matter what happens in the world around us, no matter how things get dark at times, no matter all of that, uh, we are able to say we want to be a people that is continuing to be renewed in, in a repentant way in the eyes of God. I found this in an article. Uh, the article is called, We Need Reformation This Year. <laughs> right, someone who started writing at the beginning of this year in January 2022 to say, man, we need to, to reconnect with God here in our, our country. And listen to this, um, this passage here. It says, The Bible and church history shows us over and over again that when God's people come together, repent of their sins, cry out to Him for mercy, and expect Him to respond, God uses them to bring about needed reformation. And when their leaders help each other to promote such behavior, there's no limit to the scale on which the Lord will bless his people. My prayer is, as we go forward, that we're a people that um, this year, as we start into our new lesson series here in the next weeks, that we're a people that is self-reflective, looking at ourselves, saying, I want to be one that is repentant, allowing God to renew and restore my life, and for... um, the future this year to be a future of great spiritual renewal among us because this valley is full of people who don't know their right from their left, who don't know what God has intended for their lives, are missing out on the great blessings of Jesus. And I pray that more than ever this year, we're part of the solution that helps people see uh, the good news of Jesus. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to, to head to the back. The elders are back there waiting for you. Let's stand and sing together. Have a blessed